This podcast is brought to you by AJ Bell and Shares Magazine. Shares Magazine is published by AJ Bell Media, part of AJ Bell. Hi, welcome back to Money and Markets. I'm Laura from AJ Bell and with me is Dan from Shares. Hello. And we're also joined this week by Tom from AJ Bell. Hello. This week we're talking about the mini budget and what it means for your money, the controversy over clothing retailer Boohoo, and we'll also be looking at how markets reacted to Rishi Sunak's summer statement. So first we'll just look at what Mr Sunak had with his mini budget. Um, We gave an update on his plans for spending, but obviously lots changed as a result of the, the crisis. So what's exactly going on? So this is not a conventional budget in that it's not a full budget like we'd usually see once a year. It's more of a kind of, it was heralded as a summer statement or a mini budget. Um, And it's in reaction to the coronavirus crisis. So it's announcing a smattering of measures um, that will help to boost the economy as a result of COVID-19. So we wouldn't probably have seen this had it not been for the global pandemic. Um, But announced in it were a number of different measures to try and get the economy moving, boost particular parts of the economy um, and give some handouts to people. So shall I run through the biggies? The most interesting yeah, um, things. So, I, so what, what's first on the agenda? It's jobs. I think is is one of the headline stories, isn't it? Job retention, job creation. Exactly. So the government has this tricky job of withdrawing the um, job retention scheme or the furlough scheme, as it's more commonly known, um, but also ensuring that there's not kind of a big cliff edge. Um, and that they don't withdraw all of that funding that they're currently offering um, and leave nothing in its place. So they've announced a few different measures. Um, Quite a lot of them are aimed at younger people particularly. So there's grants for employers for hiring people who are in the 16 to 24 bracket. There's additional funding for apprenticeships and trainee schemes. Um, And there's also um, government handouts for employers who keep people on that are currently on the furlough scheme. So there's quite a lot of help to try and encourage employers to keep staff on rather than to let them go. So I think it's it's a lot about um, that the, they definitely want to wind furlough down, don't they? He's, he made the, a big point about you just can't have it going on forever. You've got to have that difficult moment where you stop it. Um, exactly. Give, so he yeah. confirmed that the scheme will end in, in its current form. The scheme will end in October. Um, which had already been signalled and it's obviously already been extended. Um, It was due to end in summer. Um, But as part of that kind of scheme ending, they're now having a one-off payment of £1,000 to um, any UK business um, that keeps a furloughed employer on until the end of January 2021. So it's an incentive basically for companies to... um, keep currently furloughed staff on rather than laying them off and and they get a thousand pounds per employee Um, and at the moment it seems to suggest that that's unlimited in terms of the number of employees that you could keep on under that scheme so for some companies that'll be a big handout yeah i guess it also sort of depends on do people feel safe going back to their jobs and you know particularly if they work in a very sort of built-up area you know on paper it sounds like yeah here's the plan to get people back into work and to stop this sort of furlough support but it's some businesses just have haven't reopened yet um, and still may not think the time is right for them to do that so it's 
Um, obviously, the, as as all these things work, it's not very clear cut. Um, it's going to work exactly in one way, is it? No, and, and the details of lots of these things. So as we're talking now, um, the announcements have just been made. The kind of broad brush of what's happening has been put out there, but a lot of the detail hasn't been seen. So we don't yet know... Um, at what point those people would need to be brought out of furlough, whether it's just by that October end of furlough scheme deadline or whether it's ahead of that and and how um, employers would go about claiming that money um, and how it would work for uh, things like part-time employees and, and things like that. So a lot of that detail we don't yet know. We kind of only know the, the big headline. Um, um, what am I trying to say? We kind of only know the big headline stuff. We don't know the detail within it. So he was also talking about um, much flagged already the infrastructure investment. So to say you know, part of the way that you can create new jobs is to spend money on better roads, better hospitals, better schools, high streets, sort of create an environment where, where people perhaps want to, to be. Uh, and ultimately that would lead to, to more sort of economic activity as well. So, But I think that was quite widely trailed, wasn't it, before that we're going to get a bigger infrastructure and spending. I, uh, yeah, and I think this was kind of a classic, um, a bit like a classic budget in that so much of the stuff was leaked beforehand to newspapers or journalists. Um, so a lot of the stuff that was announced today, we knew, we maybe didn't know some of the other details within it. Um, there was only one rabbit out of the hat, which we'll come to later. But yeah, a lot of this stuff had been trialled. And, and I think when we talk about the impact on the market later, Dan, um, you will probably see that a lot of that has already been baked in. Yeah. So, I mean, so other stuff in um, the Chancellor's speech included looking at uh, making sort of homes more energy efficient and also making public sector buildings more energy efficient. So this is uh, there's very much a sort of a green agenda here, um, which politically, I guess, ticks a lot of boxes and um, that's what people want to see. But Laura, what, what's the details on the green side of things? Yeah, so it's called a Green Homes Grant. And it means uh, um, as a household, if you spend money on energy eff efficient improvements, so things like cavity wall installations or double glazing, um, then the government will provide at least £2 for every £1 spent, um, up to £5,000 per household. Um, so that's a big giveaway um, to those households that were thinking of making energy efficient improvements. And then the giveaway is bigger for those lowest income households where they can get up to £10,000 per household um, with the cost entirely covered. So part of the logic behind this is, like you say, the kind of um, green agenda, which is obviously very politically favourable. But it's also about um, generating jobs and generating business and generating consumer spending because the knock-on effect of that obviously is that then people that um, builders and and people that provide uh, insulation, for example, or um, double glazing, things like that, um, it'll give a boost to those areas of the economy as well. So it's something that boosts consumer spending that they then has a trickle-out effect on lots of different economies. But I think probably um, the bigger announcement around housing was the cutting of um, stamp duty. So this had been talked about a lot before, but has now been confirmed. Um, so basically anyone buying a home worth up to half a million pounds will now pay no stamp duty um, on that home, which is a big giveaway. So previously the limit was £125,000, limit up to 
of your kind of tax-free rate for stamp duty, and that's now leapt up to £500,000. So it's a potential saving of £15,000 in tax. I mean, this is quite interesting because this was this came out on Monday in the sort of the press. And I was kind of wondering, what it, you know, if you knew this was coming, I bet there's, I wonder if there's been any housing transactions at all Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning um, before the announcement was made official. But it's, you know, if you had, you, you'd be sort of kicking yourself thinking, oh my God, I could have saved so much money simply by waiting a couple of days to complete on a transaction. I know. Imagine if you completed last Friday before these rumours came out. Um, and we're still waiting for some of the detail to come through in terms of whether people who have exchanged already but not yet completed would be eligible for it. My assumption would be that they would do because it's not until completion that you have to pay stamp duty. Um, but we're waiting for some of the confirmation on that. But it's, it applies across the board. So it also applies to people buying second homes or landlords buying multiple properties. They also benefit from it as well. And there's no upper limit on it. So people buying a £20 million house, for example, will still benefit from it as well. So it's kind of across the board. But it is temporary. So the government has said that it will be in place until the end of March next year. Um, whether obviously it gets extended beyond that, we don't know. But what we, the result of these kind of temporary measures means that you see a flurry of activity where people who were going to move anyway, or maybe this provides a little extra incentive to move, um, will move within that that window. But you're you're then going to see a big drop off, I would imagine, in sales after this ends. So from April next year, I think we'll see kind of numbers fall off a cliff in terms of the transactions because everyone will be rushing to get it in before the um, the temporary relief ends. So I've got a question. Um, myself and my girlfriend were actually just getting going with the process of considering um, buying uh, a new a new flat, so to move away from our rather tiny um, one-bedroom flat in North London. Um, and we actually, just before we came... Came, I came on this podcast, we were just having a quick chat about it. And I guess one of the concerns that we had, and I think a lot of people will have, is, is the extent to which um, the stamp duty cut will just flow through to an increase in house prices. Is, is, that, is that something that you think will, will happen or will people who are looking to buy see a, a genuine benefit as a result of this? So I think in a normal market, you might have seen that. But because there's so much uncertainty out there at the moment and there's a lot of worries about falls in house prices because um, there's been some predictions of kind of five or 10 percent falls in house prices this year. I think maybe you won't see that effect quite so pronounced. Um, one area where I do think that the policy is not necessarily going to work maybe as the government intends is that the government would intend that that money that you save so say you save the maximum £15,000 on stamp duty um, the government's intention would be that some of that money would then go on spending elsewhere so you might buy new furniture for your property or you just increase your spending elsewhere and so that 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 means that tax saving would have a trickle effect on lots of different parts of the economy. Um, but what I think personally is more likely to happen is that 
people will just see that as additional to their pot for a house purchase and will just buy somewhere slightly more expensive, so maybe in a slightly better area or a slightly bigger place, and they'll funnel that money back in to their house purchase, which means that the cost saving and the additional kind of boost to consumers will be very focused on the housing market rather than everywhere else. So what about um, on the hospitality industry there was lots of talk from the chancellor about um, ways in which to reinvigorate that sector so um, there's lots of speculation ahead of the sort of the mini budget how this might come out Um, and I think here we did have a bit of new news it wasn't quite what people were expecting so give us the detail Laura about what what's going on. So yeah, they've um, announced they've announced two things to help the hospitality sector. So the first one we kind of knew about already, which was a VAT cut. So it's a temporary cut to the rate of VAT that is paid, um, but targeted at specific businesses. So it's not across the board. Um, and so it will be cut from the current twenty percent rate to five percent for all range of hospitality businesses. So that's things from restaurants, pubs, bars, cafes, hotels, um, days out. Dan, when you take the family to the zoo, it's going to cost less now. So that's good. Brilliant. Um, And then the second part of the plan of targeting help at those kind of hospitality businesses that have been hit really hard in lockdown um, is a new scheme called Eat Out to Help Out. Um, which I think is a terrible name, Um, but it gives you basically free money to go and spend at restaurants and and cafes and pubs. So um, it's not quite free money, but you get up to £10 a head um, to spend on a meal at any um, restaurant or cafe or pub that is participating and you can use it um, to get money off your meal. You get 50% discount. Um, off your meal up to that £10 a head and it can be used on food and non-alcoholic drinks. Sadly, Tom, you won't be able to use it on beer. Why, why did you just use my name for that? Obviously, I am the most concerned about that. Uh, this, that was quite, it was quite a weird one, wasn't it, that announcement? Because it, it, it's, I, I almost felt like um, Martin Lewis or someone from Money Saving Expert could have been up there just kind of pushing one of their one of their voucher schemes. I'm pretty sure most of the time, Monday to Wednesday, you can eat a, a reasonable chunk of, uh, of high street restaurants for, for half price, can you not? Exactly. So yeah, the the detail of it is that it's only available in August. So it's aimed to kind of boost summer going out and and basically encourage people to go out and use these hospitality businesses that have now opened. Um, But yeah, you can only use it Monday to Wednesday. So you're right. Most places, if you go on Martin Lewis's website, for particularly for big high street chains, you can find discount vouchers for them anyway. So, yeah, although I suppose, I suppose not not ev- not everybody is as fastidious about saving money as you are in particular, are they, Laura? I wish not, they not were. Not, ev- not, everyone's, not everyone's as careful with their wallet as you are. So um, maybe. <laughs> are you trying to say I'm tight, Tom? I am. I am. I am merely dusting the cobwebs off your <laughs> wallet for uh, just, just purely purely to to help the British economy. I think I think it's time to get get suitor spending. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a much better name for the policy measure, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, it is. It is crazy, isn't it? It's just, Mondays are now the new Friday night out, so it's yeah. There's a reason why you can get a half price fish supper on a Monday to Wednesday normally because no one ever goes out then, isn't it? So it's 
I, I don't know. I, I think if you're, you know, if you're working, do you really want to go out on a Monday night? I mean, it's, I, it just, it's going to be a hard sell, isn't it? I just think that they should have, they should have made it, um, no restrictions on this, you know, do it at the weekend as well. Because inevitably, if someone goes out, yes, they'll get some money off. But if they're, if they're not under pressure and they're feeling like there's lots of people around and they're, they're safe and comfortable, um, they might actually spend more money on other things as well. It, it's, yeah, I think, I think this is a flawed, definitely a flawed scheme. And I don't think it's really going to see masses of money flooding into to restaurants and stuff one one thing that i think is a potential danger of it is so you get this 50 percent discount up to 10 pound a head so are you just going to see a load of people going out on a monday night and only spending like that 20 pounds and getting their 10 pounds off um taking up a table for all of that time where maybe the restaurant or bar or pub or whatever might have got more lucrative tables in during that time so You've got if you're filling tables that would have otherwise be empty, then maybe it works in the pub or restaurant's favour. If you're clogging up a table for two hours and only spending twenty quid ahead, then where the restaurant may have got more money in from other customers, then that's not going to work so well, is it? Yeah, I yeah, wonder that, 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 that does not sound like a fun night out either. It doesn't sound like a, a night out I want to be involved in where. <laughs> People are making keep their spending down to an absolute twenty pounds with tap water on the table and a side salad. It sounds absolutely awful. <laughs> I won't I mean, put you down for minute with, dinner with me on a Monday. Monday night club sounds incredibly dull. <laughs> but I also think, Dan, to your point of like, I, is it if people are worried about going out from a from a health and safety point of view and from uh, catching a coronavirus point of view or being in crowds? I'm not sure a £10 discount on your on your pizza or your burger is going to be enough of an incentive to get people out of the house and over those fears. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not. And I don't, I'm, and even the VAT reduction on things like going to the zoos and stuff, I just, I just think if people are going to be feeling safe enough and they can afford to go out for a day trip, they're going to pay whatever the price is. I really do think. I don't think that's going to... You suddenly see a massive rush of people going to see um you know a monkey and a tiger simply because they can there's a, some slight bit of money saving on the ticket god if only rishi had consulted us first i know <laughs> <laughs> um so tom were there any other bits that we've missed that were announced that you can think of well there were not there weren't any um specific uh, announcements that um that I picked up on there actually there weren't there weren't that many announcements all really it very it was it really was a a mini budget but i think one i think one of the one of the things to look out for as we as we move through the year is the the second proper budget which um which Rishi Sunak said we're going to get in the in the autumn and i think it's it's going to be a, a case of good cop today and potentially bad cop tomorrow so uh, most of the stuff that was announced today was extra spending on various things i think about 30 billion pounds of extra spending designed designed to get the get the economy moving and get people hiring and and all the all the rest of it but um there is a the obr i think back in april estimated that there was the extra borrowing as a result of covid19 both combination of the direct interventions and the um, indirect impact on the on the wider economy was going to be um, an extra three hundred billion pounds, and um, I think at the start of 
Rishi Sunak's speech today, he was he was clear that during that statement, there's going to be another round of um, spending agreements. I think with the with the various different government departments, and he was clear as well that this is a a bill that's going to have to be paid off at at some point. So. While we've seen some giveaways today, I think the, the kind of cloud on the horizon is that the government is one way or another going to need to raise some money tomorrow. Now, there's various ways that it could do that. I think um, probably the most the, the measure that's most likely to be um, under threat, I think, at that next, um, that next big budget statement will be the state pension triple lock. So that's the, the guarantee that, that was in the Conservative manifesto, actually, that um, that says that the state pension will rise in line with the highest of average earnings, inflation, or 2.5%. Um, now, it was always quite a generous pledge, but it, in, a, in a world where average earnings are potentially going to go down a lot in one year and then go up a lot in the, the year after, the costs of that, um, of that promise are potentially going to balloon. And we, we had a quick look based on the, the OBR's um, estimates for what's going to happen to average earnings and inflation. And um, we reckon that it, it implies an increase in the value of the state pension of about 20% over two years. Um, now, that's a lot of money in a, at any point in time, but a time when um, lots of people are being furloughed, are seeing, uh, are seeing cuts in their wages, or indeed are being let off altogether it seems like quite a difficult one to justify. So I think I think we're gonna get some bad news further down the line, unfortunately. I think the triple lock is probably one that the government's gonna to have to look at again, because you're talking about billions of pounds extra, it's gonna to have to spend on that at a time when it's already got a huge borrowing, a huge increase in borrowing to, to deal with. And I think we're gonna, we're gonna to have to see some pain somewhere at some point in time and i'm sorry i know that's awfully depressing um but it, uh, the, the the reality is that the, we're going to see further job cuts further down the line and while we've while some of the measures announced today may help um i think we're there's going to be some some pain to come and i think the the autumn is when it's it's likely to arrive so it's a bit like if you go mad spending on the credit card for christmas presents and you have a great christmas and hand out loads of presents but then, unfortunately, the credit card bill's got to land at some point. You've got to work out how to pay for it. Exactly. Yeah, a very apt analogy. So, obviously, quite a few different announcements in there that affect a few different parts of um, different industries. So, Dan, was there any big reaction on the stock market um, after Rishi finished talking? Well, given that so much of it was effectively trailed in the press in the days before the announcement... Um, the house builders have been steady, steadily tricking upwards since Monday morning, um, and, and things like Taylor Wimpy and you know, some of its other peers. And it clearly could benefit if there's now a greater uh, amount of activity going to be sort of flowing through the through the property market, albeit it might stop in March. But um, you know th- they were an obvious one, and Foxtons as well. So this is. Um, you know, this is a London-focused estate agent, but I think you know, the estate agent sector across the board, it's understandable that um, people now having a bit more confidence wanting to buy shares in that area if they think actually they're going to go from being you know, a very, very, very quiet period for the property market uh, over lockdown to now having a very clear catalyst. You know, It's a complete change of fortunes potentially for them. Um, restaurant Group, which owns... Wagamama and Franklin Benny's um, saw its share price tick up. So maybe the you know, the Monday night half price fish supper that you know, 
they actually could see some more people go through the door. But yeah, whether that translates into um, the, the typical sales that they might get from from a customer on that day of the week is remains to be seen. And then um, on on the pub sector, Mitchells and Butler, which owns uh, brands such as the Harvester sort of um, pub restaurant chain, its shares did jump up on the announcement, but then came straight back down again. So um, I think this is quite a normal thing to to happen: is that people see what the chancellor is saying and immediately think, okay, that's a clear beneficiary, and then maybe take us take some time to sort of digest the information. Perhaps just as we've been chatting today on the podcast. Um, what initially might seem very exciting, um, perhaps isn't that sort of golden ticket, which which people you know investors might have thought. So so uh, overall, it, it's it's the obvious places um, that you'd expect anything linked with infrastructure is always in demand, and things with property, um, there's all builders, merchants as well. They could clearly be beneficiaries sort of um, from these changes. So then away from the kind of mini budget, summer statement, whatever we're calling it, um, what have markets been doing this week? There's been a bit of ruckus about Boohoo, hasn't there? That's had a big impact on on the clothing retailer's share price. Yeah, I mean, Boohoo's a very, very interesting one. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll come back to Boohoo because there's quite a lot to talk about that. If I quickly give you an overview of how the markets have performed. So really over the last week, the UK market's done nothing. The US market's sort of nudged up a little bit. Um, you know, the fact that we haven't actually seen a big pullback is quite interesting because there is, again, a lot of bad news. The US coronavirus cases are you know, still very, very high numbers. Australia's obviously having a second wave as well. So it's, you know, against that backdrop, um, you, you might understand that shares would be struggling, but, you know, they, they seem to be holding quite firm at the moment. Um, but we're going to get a load of earnings reports in the next few weeks. The new results season's coming out, and I, I think that's going to be that'll be pretty nasty stuff. Um, and what we're actually seeing now is is updates from companies who have said, say, in the last sort of two three months, um, they might have cut back on their dividends and sort of given a holding statement. We're now getting much more information. So um, the packaging company DS Smith and the tech firm Microfocus have both said it's still too early to think about resuming dividends. And of course, the market did not like that. I think I think they have lots of investors who've just been sitting there thinking, okay, well, this is just a temporary setback. I'm now into the period where if businesses are reopening, should I be expecting dividends again? And you know, th- this message is definitely no at the moment. Um, and it's, you know, pubs and restaurants have started to reopen, but I, I mean, the feedback I've seen is they haven't been very busy. You know, Tom and Laura, what have you been, you been down the boozer at the weekend? Was it busy? I, I went. I went. I went. Went to visit um, my uh, my fiance's parents um, at the weekend. Uh, went to the local pub round the corner. That was. It was quite busy, but not absolutely rammed. It actually, given given it's in uh, in France, Lynch in the Cotswolds. I was. I was kind of. Uh, I, I, I wasn't sure whether they would take um, the the kind of social distancing and the coronavirus prevention stuff that seriously, given it's a very very small. Um, part of the world but actually they had taken it very seriously um, it was it was pretty dodgy weather so it was you know it wasn't absolutely round full of people but there were a few knocking around uh, we went to we stopped off at our um, our local in uh, North London um, yesterday and that was a little busier that's got a big outside area um, so there were I, I would say it was uh, it was pretty full of people given that it was a Tuesday 
Um, so definitely some signs that people are are getting out there, certainly in, in this part of the world anyway, might not be replicated everywhere, of course. Yeah, I haven't gone out yet. I, I nothing for me, nothing's I mean, obviously I've left the house. I don't want people to think I've become a recluse, but um I haven't gone to any pubs. I, we've got our first uh restaurant booking for Friday at a local place around here that I'm gonna kind of use to test the waters and see. But I don't know, I'm just a little bit put off, I think, by um people wearing masks and how safe it would be. And I also feel like I've gone whatever it is now, four months six years I don't know without going out to a restaurant I feel like I can wait a little bit longer I, d- I didn't I didn't know McDonald's took bookings Laura how did you get one <laughs> you book your slot at the drive-through because <laughs> <laughs> I, I was talking to one of our esteemed colleagues and they said uh, their friend in Manchester went to a pub on Saturday night and uh, the police were called in the end and shut down the whole pub because there was it was three deep at the bar. Um, you know, first of all, you're meant to be ordering table service, not meant to be at the bar. <laughs> and they said it was utter chaos. So um, there's obviously a bit they're of the kind of things that I imagined might happen in the opening that I just thought probably give this a wide berth and leave it to die down for a bit and then see what it's like. But I guess I've got to leave the house at some point, haven't I? <laughs> yeah, but I think so, so to sort of perhaps circle it back to the, to the markets we were talking about. I, I think that you know, there was a bit of excitement about pubs and restaurants reopening, but if it's a very slow start, I wonder if we're going to get some trading updates in, say, three weeks' time. And there might be some people very disappointed with what's going on because it's certainly, the, you know, from a broader view of what I've seen, it's, it's not this magical, it's reopened, therefore the tills are, are ringing nonstop. Um, and I think that's kind of reflected, not to bring it back to the budget, because I know we've talked a lot about that, but I think that's kind of reflected in the announcements that Rishi Sunak made, which is a lot of which is offering additional incentives to get people out there spending, because it's clear that it hasn't overnight gone back to everyone being down the pub like they were before. Yeah. Another company that uh, caught my eye, um, because it was it had experienced a very, very strong sales period during lockdown which is halfords um everyone's been rushing to buy bikes uh, you know either you know for a bit of exercise or they're thinking a bit longer term that they don't want to go on public transport they can just cycle to work if possible um, but but the shares they tanked which is you know might surprise some people um but it's, it's all to do with they saw a greater mix of their sales is coming from bikes and that's much lower margin and so um you know the company just turned around and said that it's it's what initially might seem good is is perhaps not as amazing for our earnings as you as you would think. Now I've I went to Halfords four times at the weekend because um, not because I'm a bike spotter. Um, <laughs> it, That's it, an it, excessive number of times. Well, yeah, it, it, I had to. I was trying to get my bike, well, two bikes serviced, um, but there was a lot of waiting around and stuff. But yeah, it it, it is. Uh, the, well, basically, the business is not run very well. You could anyone can see this from the shop floor. Loads of people going in, wanting to buy a bike. Then they're going, "Can I have a look at that one on the shelf?" You know, or, or on their displays. And they and basically they're going, "Well, no, because there isn't a single bike available here. They're all they've all been pre-ordered by people waiting to be picked up." Um, and then there's a bit they can't cope because they haven't got enough staff um, who know how to fix bikes. So there's it's the whole you know it's it's. There's so many things wrong with Halfords, yet it, if they sorted it out, I think that you know 
they should be having the time of their lives at the moment in terms of you know, massive demand for stuff. I saw, I saw more people walking away because they couldn't get what they want than actually people buying something, which is not a good sign, is it? <laughs> Um, and so on to Boohoo then. So we, this is, um, so for those who aren't perhaps familiar, online fashion retailer um, targeted at the younger, the younger audience. So Laura, how, how often do you buy your Boohoo dresses? Never. I think it's like a, a cheaper ASOS, but aimed at younger people below my age bracket, sadly. Yeah. So I, cause I, 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 I did a um, sort of a, a meeting with, some people in the business yesterday and I asked them, I said, how many of you are buying stuff? And they all said, oh, we, we used to, but it's, the clothes are really bad quality and um, just falling apart. Well, I, I should, for sake of inclusion, Tom, do you shop at Boohoo? I was just going to say, Dan, I, 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 for all you know, I may well, well, very well have shopped at Boohoo. I have never shopped at Boohoo. Um, you, you, you will not be surprised to hear. And and, and after, frankly, after reading the, the headlines recently, I felt quite happy about that. Although my my decision was, uh, well, it wasn't really a decision. I'd barely heard of it. So. I also think they only do women's clothes, don't they? No, 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 they do men. Oh, do they? Yeah, there is a Boohoo men, yes. So it's your opportunity to, to do some early Christmas shopping. <laughs> that would be very early. <laughs> uh, so anyway, they, they, they've, been, they've been in the headlines for, 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 for very bad reasons. So um, there was a, a press report the weekend about workers at a factory supplying um, the business were, were being paid £3.50 an hour and offered no protection from coronavirus. And so the, essentially the share price is almost halved in a matter of days. Um, so people are are going. What, what's going on here? This is modern day slavery. So Boohoo have come out and said there's, you know, they can't find any evidence of three pound fifty an hour being paid for these for these workers. But they did find some other non compliance issues. So they've sacked two suppliers, um, and now they're now they're going to do a review of their supply chain. I mean, I mean, so here immediately, they're telling you the business has no grip on its supply chain at all and doesn't know what's going on. Um, it's and so the backlash is huge. So ASOS and Next have pulled all Boohoo clothes from their website. Um, so there's potential lost sales. You've had um, some social media influencers, um, sort of TV celebrities that have worked with the brand before, turning against them. You've had the, the, sort of the social media hashtag boycott Boohoo has been trending. Um, and it's, it, it, there's so many things that are just turning against the business. Um, they're, they're in a major problem now. You know, this is you think this is one of the big growth stocks on the market and is and has seen its share price soar for years um and now it's completely having to, to you know address uh, an ever-increasing pile of bad news really so it's 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 a shock the major shock and i think this is this it could lead to um more instances of investors just completely turning their backs on people when they you know they're not behaving as they should do do you think that there's a a kind of um do you think that the reaction at the moment is more exaggerated than maybe it might usually be um in terms of the market reaction and the share price fall um because investors generally are a bit more jittery around um market falls this year and um, kind of uncertainty in markets because of the global pandemic? Or do you think this reaction would have happened if this happened a year ago or in a year's time? 
I don't think it would have happened to the extent perhaps a year ago. And I don't think it's also to do with people being jittery. I, I just think that, um, I don't know, there seems to be a wave of uh, people taking ESG issues more seriously. So environmental social governance. And you know, if you've seen this with lots of things um, in society in the last, you know, just like how climate change quickly um, you know, with Greta became this huge wave across the world of people taking it seriously, even though it had been bubbling around for, for a long time. And I just think that um, you've got you've got now people sort of saying, you know, companies shouldn't be um, treating workers or, or even, you know, using companies that themselves are treating workers um, badly. Uh, and so, and, and then who's got a questionable corporate governance track record anyways, you know, buying companies that are connected with, with family members um, amongst the directors, it, it, it's sort of, it's going to, it's directors stand to make 150 million bonus if the share price hits a certain level um, in the future. And, you know, shareholders did had no say on that, they didn't vote for it. So it's, there's lots of negative things here. So I think that you've just got this culmination of issues where, um, you know, people today in the current society just aren't standing for um, bad practices. And so if you think that Boohoo aims at a very young audience, in particular, they're the ones that um, are sort of you know, leading the charge with things like climate change protests. And so here, you know, they, they want to see companies that are doing well and they want to see, you know, not saying doing well, but treating, treating their workers fairly and, and so on. Uh, but here, you know, Boohoo's fast fashion. So it, you buy a dress, um, you probably wear it once and you chuck it away. So that's a big cross from an environmental perspective. The company's now associated with poor pay practices. That's a cross from the S in the ESG. And on the governance side, you know, the things I've just been talking about, I just think, well, you have a, a, a stock that's extremely highly rated, um, now delivering um, questionable practices. Um, it's getting a, a double D rating. So D rating because it was already rated so highly. So uh, investors are sort of aren't prepared to pay as high a multiple for earnings, and now you've also got people turning back saying, "Well, actually, this isn't the type of company I want to invest in, so I'm just going to turn my back." So you've got this wave of selling. Um, so it doesn't, it does totally make sense. And if if anything, you can see it as kind of a, a positive story. I mean, obviously, the underlying thing that that was um, that emerged about poor pay practices is not positive. But the fact that um, investors will react to news like this where maybe they previously wouldn't have and that ESG and focuses on how you treat your staff is much more important to the share price is got to be a positive move. Yeah, I mean, it's ironic in in their sort of the, their response statement today, buried down the bottom, they said they're looking to hire two non-exec directors and um, they'll pay consideration to candidates who have skills dealing with ESG issues, which, um, you know, made me chuckle. I thought you should have been doing that years ago, <laughs> not now. So yeah. you, better, you better hire them fast. So. Yeah, I have to say one of the things that struck me about um, most about um, this particular story is that the fact that everybody from um, the the company to government, government ministers seem to be describing this as some sort of huge um, shock when I was, I mean, I was only the other day reading a, a very good piece that Sarah O'Connor did in the FT, I think back in 2018, talking about um, the these dark factories that, that exist in various places, including Leicester, and speaking specifically 
about um, about Boohoo. So while some people, I think, may be claiming that this is a big shock, I think for for everyone, including including investors, there were there were clues out there that there was potentially some um, bad practice going on. Now, whether you choose to make an investment decision based on um, those negative practices or not, of course, is a, is another thing entirely. But I, th I don't think. Um, I don't think people can pretend that this was this is this is a I mean it's it's, it's odd really that this has been seen as such a, a huge shock when the the information was was very much out there in the public domain even if it wasn't quite appreciated by by everyone. Oh yeah I mean this dates back to 2017 there's I mean there's been multiple uh, investigations by different members of the media into into sort of practices relating to the business and directly here um, but I just do think that we're at this point in time um, the way the world is currently um, responding to, to to events um, that matter to society, it's just it's a total perfect storm for for boohoo. And and I think that this is we have not seen the last of it. There are going to be more companies that are going to be caught out like this. And also, if you're a fund manager and you're owning boohoo and you say you follow ESG ethical principles, your invest you know, their investors are going to be saying. Hang on a minute. You need to justify why have you got this now, and so you know, even they might be four sellers of a stock like this. And, and, and it, it, yeah, you know, this is just the beginning. So I think that's all we've got time for this week. But thanks a lot for listening. And as ever, you can email us on podcast at ajbell.co.uk if you have any questions or suggestions. And we'll see you next week. See you later. Bye. Before you go, please remember this podcast is for educational purposes and the views expressed don't necessarily reflect those of AJ Bell or Shares Magazine. The podcast isn't telling you whether certain investments are suitable or not. And don't forget that the value of investments can change and you can lose money as well as make it. It's also important to remember that tax rules apply and that the way an investment performed in the past may not be the same as how it behaves in the future. If you want help, go see a qualified financial advisor. Thank you.